Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. International Women's Day, as you guys know, it's Women's Month, and I'm excited because I get to talk with Jude today, who's had the some amazing experiences. We're going to talk, uh, she, well, first of all, she has an interview coming up 
then I'm going to let her uh, uh, talk to the the one and only Swanson, who has three and a half million followers on Clubhouse and, and is doing amazing things off of Clubhouse as well. So stay tuned to that. Swan was not available to join us until uh, 30 minutes after the hour, so 10.30 Eastern. Stay tuned. Jude is going to be talking to Swan about all the things. But for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to talk to Jude about some amazing experiences that she's had as she's, uh, you know, going through her media career. She's been a news reporter. She's interviewed legends like Regis Philbin, Phil Jackson. She's she's met so many people like Lucille Ball, Oprah Winfrey, and on and on and on in her career. But uh, Jude, good morning. Nate, good morning to you. And I just want to say to all of the women on this stage that this is our day. Not that it isn't our day every day, and it's all of humanity's day every day, but March has been designated uh, in, beginning in, in, in the early 90s by our presidents that the whole month of March would be International Women's Month. And then it is recognized globally as International Women's Day today, Tuesday, March 8th. So I want to say congratulations to all the women. And I want to say a special thanks to my mother, my sister, my aunts, my grandmother. My mother and grandmother were entrepreneurial women. And at the time that they were, most women were not. Uh, most of my my girlfriend's mothers were stay-at-home um, mothers, and which is wonderful. That's that was a choice, and that's what that's what most women did. And my mother and grandmother both had restaurants, and I'll get into that in just a minute. That story, uh, I mean, probably that's what helped shape my career, both in television and as an entrepreneur. But I do want to say that there are so many contributions that women have made. And Nate, I know that. I don't know too much about your mother, but I, I know your sister is here with you from time to time. And hey, it's so great to see you here too, Mr. Nate. Uh, Nate and I have been doing this live with Dude and Nate for a while now, and it's just really a pleasure to for us to get together. So how are you doing before we get into everything, Nate? I am blessed and uh, enjoying my time here in Las Vegas. So it's just, I love this. I love this hour of the week. It's my favorite you know, you, of course, I love my social media show, but it's fun to hang out with you, Jude, and uh, just get to talk. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about you and your experiences today, uh, in addition to the interview that you've lined up for us here in a half an hour. Well, you know, Sid and I have been trading Instagrams and, and voicemails and all these things back and forth. And our, our Swan had said, and, and we've been, we were just talking about, you know, the, the contributions. We'll talk about her contributions as well. But every single woman, it's just, I, I'm writing a new book, uh, Nate, and it's, it's based on not only the iconic women I've interviewed, some of whom you mentioned, but also <clears throat> just, I've been studying women going back to, I mean, going back to Abigail Adams, I mean, the, uh, President uh, John Adams' wife. And, and, and this all started, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a few years ago, a couple, maybe four now, I guess it was well, definitely before COVID. I was invited for a national, international global wealth management company to, they were recognizing their, their wealthy clients and their affluent clients, and they had special day. And, and they asked me to emcee it and speak and then interview their celebrity speaker and then do some interviews on stage for them with some entrepreneurs. So I'm in my element because I get to do everything I like to do, emcee, speak, and interview. But I decided what I, what I was going to talk about would be Lucille Ball. And because she was the first star I ever met as a teen when I came to Los Angeles. And I Love Lucy and all of her tele television shows were long gone. And in fact, and I, you know, I, I say this because I wasn't, I couldn't stay up to watch um, I Love Lucy. Um, it had just debuted and I wasn't, it was past my bedtime, so I couldn't stay up. But my grandfather really liked that show a lot. So when I had the opportunity to meet Lucille Ball here in Los Angeles, she was speaking to 
a lot of young, hopeful actors. And I was in that, that small group, really. And I was so amazed uh, when she came in that she wasn't that funny, zany, zany uh, comedian that we had all come to know and love on I Love Lucy. So that was the first, I just, I was just taken aback by, I, I don't want to call her shy, but I would say reserved, which was exactly opposite of, of what we had anticipated, which I'll get to why I think that's so significant. But the, the point is that in comes this very sophisticated woman. Now her show, I Love Lucy with Desi Arnaz, her husband, it debuted in the 50s, and I'm not sure, maybe 57, I'm not positive on that, but it debuted in the, in the, in the 50s, and she has become more and more popular as time goes on. In, in 2000, I think it was 18 and 19, they ran, uh, CBS did, which was her network, they ran uh, I Love Lucy specials around in December around Christmas time, and it topped the Nielsen, which is the TV ratings, it topped the ratings against everything else in prime time. So that in itself says something. And and now Alan Sorkin has produced a film. It's up for an Academy Award. Uh, the Oscars are coming up this month as well. And, and that film is up for an award. And I and and there's also a new documentary, which I highly recommend, Amy Poehler from Saturday Night Live and the Tina Fey duo. She's produced the most outstanding, outstanding documentary on Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. <clears throat> I can't speak highly enough of it. Uh, I watched it and I'm going to see it again. I invited one of my girlfriends over this weekend to come to come stay with us so we can see it again. It's really a fabulous, it's, it's just about history. But here's what, when I did this talk over at this, the speech and, and emceeing, and I talked about Lucille Ball the first year. And what was so impressive with me, for her, for me, is I started really studying her. And when she had been kind of like the queen of B movies, she never really quite made it to that A list as talented as she was and as beautiful. She started out as a model and she was tapped into a radio show and, and it was about being married with a husband. And then CBS decided to ask her to, and it wasn't Desi Arnaz, by the way, uh, to, to do this series for them. And, and she said, well, I will do it on one condition that Desi, is my husband and not the husband she had on the radio show. And, and they said, no, they said the American public will never buy that a Caucasian woman is married to a Cuban band leader. And she said, well, I don't know why they won't because I am. Now for every woman listening to this and actually men too, stand up for what you believe in. Because if she had not, we might not be talking about Lucille Ball today. She stood up to the, to the, what we call the brass in the business or the suits. She stood up to the suits and said, no, I'm not doing this unless Desi can do it with me. And we all know that it was, it was magic. It was, it was chemistry. It was beautiful. It was just, it, it still, as I said, it's still standing up. I mean, and to see this resurgence of Lucille Ball in these films today and documentaries is just unbelievable to me. But it's because of, yes, her talent. And she and, and I always admired her because, as I said in this book that, that I'm writing, I said she turned she traded in the glam because she was very glamorous for the gag. And she was absolutely in her element. And, and I, I think to, to think to all of us how thankful we are that she didn't quit before she got to tap into that extraordinary talent. And um, I don't know if you want to ask me anything about that, uh, Nate, but but it just it's extraordinary to me because she could have just said, well, then I, I'll do this show. I mean, so many people would have been happy to have a sitcom ongoing, 
and and it became what they call in the business a cash cow for CBS. And and as you know, it's still airing on reruns, uh, still on television. So it's a pretty phenomenal story about what one woman did to change the culture of television. And her husband, Desi, was the one who was the person who orchestrated the three camera shoot for sitcoms, which is still being practiced and used today in TV studios across the world, uh, three camera shoots and, and sometimes four. And he changed from, from taking it to uh, a whole different medium in the qualities of the show. And, and he was really very, the, the business behind so much, he recognized that that Lucy was the talent. And, and he so aptly said it, and many times, he said, Lucy is the star. Fred, Ethel, and I are the the props, albeit, you know, accomplished props, we are the props. And so there's a lot to be said for um, how they divided their roles as a team. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any questions. Yeah, before anything. Friends, before Cheers, before, you know, all the, you know, modern day comedies that have, you know, just uh, Seinfeld, we had I Love Lucy. I remember watching I Love Lucy growing up, you know, my parents would have it on the TV and remember laughing and uh, just enjoying that comedy. And, uh, you know, of course, it came after the Honeymooners and shows like that. So Lucy Ball, definitely an iconic legend when it comes to comedy and TV here in America. If there's one or two people in the in the room that haven't uh, seen the I Love Lucy reruns, definitely something I encourage you to go back and watch. But were you able to learn anything by having a conversation with such a legendary, uh, you know, somebody as legendary as Lucy Ball? Yeah, you know, I, I was so young the first time I met her. And I didn't really, I just was in awe, quite frankly. She's the first star I'd ever seen. And I was in awe and as she talked to us, but I, I realized how, how funny and zany she was on that I Love Lucy, but she came in dressed immaculately. She was so sophisticated. And, and my mother was a, was a beautiful woman and, and she dressed beautifully, my mom did. And, and not just because she's my mom, but she really is a stunning. And, and, and I saw Lucille Ball dressed in a way I'd never seen a woman dressed. She had this, this beautiful suit. And I thought, my gosh, and that's really when I understood the, the, what talent was about. Because I thought she portrays this, you know, we, we all know the scene where she's stomping on the grapes and, and stuffing the chocolates in her mouth and in her uniform and, and all the, those, those iconic scenes from I Love Lucy. And then she was so sophisticated and so polished and so extraordinary that I just I was just awestruck. But here's what I learned later on. Fast forward, I would then interview her on television news here in Los Angeles as she did, I think what was, my career was just getting going and starting. And she was, I think it was her last film she ever did for television uh, for CBS, uh, Stone Pillow Woman. And I, when I interviewed her again, I reminded her of that interview and what she told these young hopefuls. And, and you know, I, I mean, I just remember letting us know that, that, you know, you need to be professional. And she, she really talked a lot about being a professional. And that always stayed with me. And I reminded her of that conversation. And, and I told her, I said, the first time I went on live TV, or TV here in Los Angeles, I had no idea what I was doing, really. Um, it wasn't even my idea to be on television. It was Regis Philbin's uh, executive producer who said, I, I was in public relations, who said, you should be in front of the TV cameras, not your clients. So when I went on live TV, I didn't have any idea, really, what I was doing. Uh, here in this number two market in the country. And I remember the first time someone came up to me and said, you are such a pro. And I thought, thank you, Lucy. <laughs> thank you, Lucille Ball. Because I, I don't even know how that resonated with me as a, as a young, as in my teens, but it did. 
So yes, I, I learned that. And then of course, I, I just learned so much about, I think more than anything, Nate, was sticking to what you really want to do. You, you, she knew she wanted Ricky. Um, when she got pregnant uh, with her first child, Lucy, she, she told the brass, or, the, or he did, I don't remember which one, that she was pregnant and, and with a baby. And they, I think it was that he came up with the birth of not just their baby, but the birth of reruns because the show was such a hit. And they just, that's, that was the first time reruns had been on the air. And so there was just so much that they attributed to. And then, and then, you know, with the zany comedic timing and, and talent and, and mesmerizing really to watch her on screen, you can't take her, your eyes off her. But then she would, buy, they ended up running Desilu Studios here on the Paramount lot in, in Hollywood. And when they divorced, she bought Desi out and she ran that studio. And there were shows like Star Trek and I think Mission Impossible. And so many shows came in under her watch as she was running a major, major film studio. So it just speaks to the many multi, multiple, uh, multi-talented talents that this woman possessed. And she really found her space. And I say this to everybody because, it, you know, accident or not accident, how this comedic timing came out. But that's why we, we, we you, know, you probably can't name five of her films, most of us, but we will always remember, I love Lucy. So I, I learned a lot from her, Nate. I love hearing about this, guys. If you just joined the room, we're talking to Judy Jernad, also known as Jude Jernad, Jude or Judy. And uh, we do live with Nate and Jude, live with Jude and Nate, I should say, each Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. And since today's International Women's Day, Jude lined up an interview with Swan Sits coming up at uh, 30 minutes past the top of the hour here in about 10, 15 minutes. And so we're just uh, talking with Jude about her experiences as a media you know, media and news reporter in in Los Angeles. And I know you've gotten a chance to interview so many people, including Regis Philman, Larry King, Phil Jackson. But specifically, we're talking about some of the women that you've met today, like Lucille Ball, Oprah. And I know you've uh, met Barbara Walters and Gloria Steinem. So tell us, I know (laughs) you never got a chance to interview Barbara Walters, but she's a legend in the, the, you know, in the TV and media industry. Tell us what that was like. And were you able to learn anything from Barbara Walters? Well, that's another thing about these women is Barbara Walters. She really, she really opened the door for women like myself who went on television as talk show hosts and TV newscasters. And she started out on the Today Show and she was called the Today Girl, <laughs> Today Show, which is kind of funny now when you think about it. And, and she really held her own. She became a news anchor with Harry Reasoner and it was probably one of the most um, unchemistried <laughs> pairing of any, of any couple on television. It just did not work out from, from the story is that he didn't really care for her as it being on his, uh, sharing the news spotlight with him. And, and yet she persevered, she persevered and became, as you just said, she is a legend, a legend. And it came about by accident how I met her. Um, one of my, they, they were out here doing The View. And one of my friends said, um, you know, Barbara Walters is going to be out here and my daughter works on the show. She said, I know you've been in TV news and you are. And she said, you want to, do you want to uh, meet her? And I said, oh, gosh, I'd love to go to the show and meet her. And so they, they took me backstage, which was really great. They were taking the, the view out here live. It's done t- typically in New York, but it was out here for um, a while. And they took me backstage to meet her. And it was very hectic backstage, a lot, a lot of people. And it was, they were having their, their, their lunch break. And so there were caterers there and food and a lot of people and the, t- the, the crew and everyone. And, and Barbara was just kind of just staying to herself a bit. And 
and then the, the my friends um, my friend introduced me to her and she kept eating and she didn't really say anything and then my friend said she said judy's in tv news too and tv talk and she put down her plate and shook hands and said well i'm so happy to meet you and i got tears in my eyes you know she was known for making her guests cry from the questions she would ask and i said barbara i said i have tears in my eyes because this is such an emotional moment for me to meet you because you are such a legend for all of us who ever are on news whoever aspire aspire to be a newscaster a talk show host you opened the door for all of us and she persevered and nate i will tell you it was not easy she was in a pretty much male dominated world and she persevered and she stayed with it and again another legend and so it's it, it was funny she laughed when i said that i said i have tears in my eyes barbara i said because this really is emotional for me i said you didn't even have to ask me anything and she laughed so yeah that was that was pretty phenomenal uh nate to meet her and you know what i learned so much hey listeners if you enjoy listening to breakfast with champions we can bet you care about your daily routine do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Because when I went on television, the first thing they said to me, you know, after Regis Philbin, they gave me that audition, Regis uh, assistant, or not assistant, but executive producer gave me that audition. And she said, you really belong on TV. And so I started knocking on doors and, and I wanted to, to do live television. And the only thing live was TV was at that time was, was news. And I was just beginning. So I went over to PBS, the public broadcasting station. And, and I said, I'll do anything to, to be, uh, to just interview people. That's what I wanted to do the most and be on live TV. So they said, okay, and which was great. And, and I think it was like my second or third, I don't know, maybe my second or third night, you know how they do those, the shows and they do the premium breaks. That's what I was doing. And then you'd interview a celebrity. And they said, but you're not going to be able to interview any celebrities. We're going to have our celebrity interview the celebrities, but you can do the premiums, you know, talk about the giveaways if people, you know, subscribe to the show. I said, okay, that's fine, whatever. And, and then after about three days, they said, okay, you can do interviews. And I said, oh, that's great. So, and then one of my first ones was with Julia Childs. And I, I didn't mention that to you, Nate. So Julia Childs, the woman who opened up French cooking, you know, in, in this country. And, and she's very tall, was, was very tall, like over six feet. And I'm not quite five two. And she walked in the station and she looked down at me and she said, and that, that voice, which I'll do a poor imitation of, so I apologize, everybody. Uh, but she said, you're awfully good, you know. <laughs> and she said, I've been watching you on the telly. And and I said, Miss Childs, you have no idea what you just said to me and how much confidence that you have just given me by someone of your stature of who you are to say that to me. So I learned so much from her about being gracious and just how much one sentence can make a difference in a young person's life who's just starting out in any field or anywhere. You don't even have to be young. I mean, it could be just want to change careers or write that book or, or run for office or whatever you might want to do. That one sentence, I, I, I still get emotional when I think about it, Nate. So, yeah, extraordinary women who are making extraordinary contributions. And, and you mentioned Gloria Steinem. And I met Gloria... She was, she had a, a magazine, famous magazine called Ms. 
And I think that was maybe in the 70s. And I met her in the 80s. And she'd written a book. And, and that's when I was talking with her about. And there again, you know, it doesn't have to be major, the contributions that we make, like the people, the, such as the woman we've just mentioned. We'll get to Oprah in a minute, but with, with Barbara Walters and and Gloria Steinem. I'm, when, when you think of her, she was just such a, a legend in the movement, one of the top 10 feminists in the 20th and 21st centuries. And she was not so much, it wasn't about, yes, it was about women's rights, but it's it's about, and she says it to this day, I ran into her about, I don't know, three years ago or so, and we chatted just for a few minutes. And, and she said, it's really, it's always been about equality, it, not just women, but gender equality, rights equality, equality. So the, I guess if there's one message here, it's that these women took a stand for something they believed in and they persevered and they persevered and they made a difference for women everywhere. So those are some of my, some of my lessons. And, and that's why I'm writing this book, Nate, by the way, uh, because I've learned so much and it's not just that, that I, I got to meet Oprah and had a conversation with her or Barbara Walters. It's what I learned and what I can pass on to other women through their experiences. Loving this conversation, Jude. And I know that, I mean, being International Women's Day, and of course we can learn so much. So it's the, the, the career that you, and of course I know Sally Cologne right next to you, she has a career in TV there in Los Angeles. The, the fact that you guys are able to sit down and meet these people and have conversations. And of course you were in TV and news. And so you got to interview so many legendary leaders, including some of the most powerful women, you know, uh, that have, that have had an influence on, on the world. And so, uh, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what, what it's been like. I know we're going to, we have an interview coming up in five minutes. So Jude, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your career, because, you know, you've, you know, left a mark here in the clubhouse space and, would love to hear some of the stories of, of your career coming up as a TV news reporter and uh, some things that you've learned, you know, being a leading, a leading woman in Los Angeles, uh, you know, second largest city in the country. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, Nate. And I do want to say that in honor of International Women's Day, we are launching a Facebook group. It's called Amazing Women Evolving. And you're, we, we put it on our, in our, as a club on Clubhouse yesterday. So I would just love for every woman to, to go over to the club and join the club. It's, it's awe, amazing women evolving, because that's exactly what my book is about, is amazing women who evolve and contribute. And again, I want to go back to what I said at the beginning, Nate. I think every woman, mothers, grandmothers, aunts, friends, sisters, I mean, all of the contributions that women make, and by the way, I am not a mother, but I think that, that those of you who are mothers and fathers have the most important role of anyone in life. You are contributing and you are shaping these young lives to be amazing women and men as, as we evolve. And I think if we're not evolving, then we're devolving. And so to me, it's always about growth. I got on Clubhouse, Nate, and I didn't know anything about social media, really, my business is working. I work with, get to work with a lot of executive women and help them in their transition and work with a CFO who was uh, promoted to CEO. And I worked with that transition, the transitional leadership to how to talk to the media and analysts and, and the board and, 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 and be more, um, more like a, a CEO personality, if you will, and image and all of these areas to really help her grow. And I, and I watch with women 
more and more women, there are so many women that, that accomplish great, great accomplishments and achievements. And there are other women that hold themselves back. And I know sometimes women will say, well, I didn't get promoted because of, but then I think back at all the women I've interviewed and if they'd just taken that no, those first no's, they wouldn't be where they are either or get where they get and we wouldn't be having the conversations about them. So it's never easy when you wanna do something that's different and that it's extraordinary. And when, when, when Regis Philbin said that to me, when she said, you belong in front of the TV cameras, not your clients. And she turned around and walked away. And I called her the next day and I said, I'd like to have lunch. And she said, I know why you want to have lunch. Hey, we will, we'll go to lunch. And she said, I'm going to give you an audition. She said, Regis has a, has a, has a co-host, but she said, I just, I, I, I want to give you this audition. And she did. So it's women helping women. That's one of the areas I'd like to mention, women helping women. And I also want to say to everyone, this is not just women, Nate, but everyone, if someone, you know, sometimes, and, and as a good coach, all of us know as coaches, when I coach people, we're not just looking at what we see. We look at what's possible to discover and develop. And, and when someone sees something in you, it wasn't my idea. I had done acting when I first came to LA. I had done some television commercials, which I, I liked but didn't love. And it really didn't do it for me. I liked the residual income. That was about it. But I didn't love acting. In fact, the first play I, I read for, I got and turned it down. But the idea of being myself on a talk show was just, it was just, I thought, this is it. This will be great. And, and, and so, so what my point here is that if you may not see it in yourself, but someone sees something in you, and I say, just say yes to when that opportunity comes to you. You know, one of, the, one of my signature lines in my speeches is, is always, the door of opportunity is always open. The difference in a lifetime is whether you walk through it or not. And I just say, take advantage of all of those opportunities. And it, it, we're all pretty amazing, men and women. And going back to Gloria Steinem, and I have so much admiration. She's just really revered. And and how she, she was at these Women's March back in um, before COVID in Washington, D.C. And and again, she 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 emphasis puts an emphasis on on equality for humanity. She doesn't put it quite that way. She says equality for men and women, but it is equality for humanity. So I have learned to say when someone sees something in you to pay attention to it, to act on it. And, and you mentioned, you know, that we're going to be interviewing Swan, um, Swan Set. Um, I had wanted to interview her from the time that I got on Clubhouse and I heard her talk a few times in some of these rooms. And, and we went back and forth on Instagram. We still haven't actually spoken. We've just been back and forth, but I've been such a fan of hers and, and invited her to come on this International Women's Day because she is so accomplished. But every single area that you accomplish in your life, you are doing, when you do it for yourself, you are doing it for all women. And in this documentary the other night um, that I was watching with them um, and, and Lucille Ball that Amy Poehler produced, they, they talked to people like Carol Burnett and um, other, other comedians, and they all give credit to Lucille Ball for opening that door. So we all open that door when you do something. In fact, when I first went on television, as you said, the number two market in the country, I was working in a public relations office and, and then I had started my own. And I remember this couple and they were a young couple and they, they wanted to leave Los Angeles and open up a gift store. And, and so when I went on TV in the number two market, they said, if you can go on television in the number two market in the country, we can have our dream of opening our gift store 
and moving out of the area to a quieter part of, of California. So, I mean, we all are, we all are inspirational. Just as we're inspired by others, we are also inspiring others and influencing others. So I, I think that it, it's just a constant evolving. Um, as, I, as I said earlier, Nate, it's a constant evolving. And, and hopefully uh, we're gonna have Swan sit with us momentarily. And, and if there's anything else you wanted to ask me about, and Nate, and, and I know that, I mean, how have women influenced you? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I've been blessed to have the, you know, the best mom on the planet. So uh, she's still a full-time nurse at uh, 76 years old, still working at Vanderbilt in the uh, adolescent uh, psychiatric hospital at, at Vanderbilt. So uh, she's had a major impact on me, if not the most impact of anybody. And I have two beautiful sisters. And, uh, you know, I definitely worked with so many powerful women. I get to host the social media show with Kelsey Stark, who's on stage, who runs her own social media digital agency. And so I could go on and on and on and, uh, um, you know, about how women have had a major impact in my life. But uh, the, the biggest area of impact is just seeing the example that people like my sisters, like my mom have had on me and their faith, their trust in God is, is definitely the biggest uh, the biggest impact that, that that they've had on me. And so I'm enjoying this conversation, Jude. Uh, I don't know if you want to open it up until Swine gets here or or if you want to share some more stories about, you well, know, you know, let, about like, being sure. a leading, leading lady in L.A. Sure, you know, sure. And I mean, I became like, and, and I do, maybe maybe if anyone has any questions or contributions, uh, because I got an email from, from, from uh, not an email, but a, a, an Instagram when I got up this morning at, at after midnight last night from Swanswood confirming the time, because she said, I see that Breakfast is Champions is at 5 a.m. And I said, no, 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 it's not 5. They are, but I said, we're at, I wrote, I wrote her back and said, no, we're at, we're at uh, 10, a, 10 a.m. and uh, Eastern, and you're coming in at 10.30. So hopefully she'll be here momentarily, um, and there's not a time confusion there. But um, yeah, I, and I do want to say that, that with, with leadership, um, I mentioned that my mom bought a restaurant when I was 12, and she put me in salads which I thought was very cool because I had a title, I was salad girl, and I thought that was really cool. And that lasted two weeks, and then I told her I needed a promotion. And, and she said, well, where do you think you're going? And I said, out there with you, with the customers. And, and she said, no, you're not. And, and so, you know how kids are, they're very persistent. And so this went on for a couple of weeks. And, and I said, mother, I've learned everything there is to know about lettuce and tomato, and I wanna be out front with the customers. And finally she relented and <laughs> that was at 12. Long story short, at age 16, I took over that restaurant and managed it when she bought a, a second restaurant. And I said, everybody was older, including the busboy, and I'm sure a whole lot wiser. But nonetheless, there I was uh, running that restaurant. And and my mother said that, uh, those of you who are parents, she said, oh, she said, I've thought about that because she's heard me talk about it on stages. And she said, that was so much responsibility to give a little girl and I said, oh, mother, you made other mistakes, but that wasn't one of them because that taught me work, that work ethic. And I really thought that that's, I think, Nate, when I look back on it, I think that's what gave me the, the ability to sit down with these major stars and just have conversations with them one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, just to just enjoy a conversation. And I think that's why the interviews always worked because it was it was never gush gush. It was like, I mean, I was always appreciative of them and, and in admiration of, of their work, but we really had conversations and connection. And, and they would say, gosh, no one's ever asked me that question before. So um, I, I think that that early experience for those of you who are parents, parents, what you're giving to your children is is it's life changing. And so, yeah, and if anyone would like to make a contribution, 
Uh, I know we've got a lot of interesting women on stage and, and men as well, but if anybody would like to ask a question or make a contribution, let us know. Yeah, guys, flash your mics if you'd like to jump in and talk about the women that have influenced you, you know, here on International Women's Day. We would love to hear your thoughts and uh, until Swan joins us. Kelsey Stark, how, is any, how have women influenced you? And I know I want to thank you for being an influence on my life. Always love to hear your voice and your, your, uh, your, have you share your value. Tell us a little bit about the women that have influenced you. Oh, thank you so much, Nate. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had quite a few women who have influenced me throughout my life. Um, but I'm going to say probably the the most recent but the longest standing is my business partner. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, my name is Kelsey Stark. I own Stark Media Group, uh, which is a full service digital marketing company in New York. And I actually decided to start this business with my aunt. Uh, I started it at 25 and I had no idea about lawyers or accountants or taxes or LLCs and any of that stuff, but she had started businesses before. So uh, she was really able to advise on those aspects, uh, which was, you know, very interesting to, to learn from a woman in business because there, there is a different way that women handle things than men handle things, I'll say. Um, but not only was it fascinating in that regard, she is a just like a plethora. She's a medical marvel, basically. This woman has gone through more things than anybody here could have could imagine with her health and all that. And she still continues to show up and push through and push on and just be devoted to her family and to her purpose and to our business as a total. So I would say that she's probably definitely one of the most influential women in my life personally. I, of course, can talk about um, just women I idolize. I put up a post the other day um, from Michelle, Michelle Obama. I think she's amazing. The standards like Coco Chanel and just, you know, looking at those ladies and the way that they were able to power through a time. Marilyn Monroe, I mean, come on, just talk about breaking barriers um, is just something that I really idolize about a lot of women in history. And I can sit here and go on and on and on about it. But it was it's really any woman who dares to dream and any woman that dares to uh, go up against the norm or even just, you know, remotely challenges the, the way of thinking or the, the things that we're told as children to play with Barbie dolls and to look really pretty and all of that, all the, the people that are out there that are challenging that are really the people that inspire me on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's somebody that I aspire to be. I try to break as many glass ceilings as possible and to bring as many women um, around me to do that and to inspire them to even go off and start something of their own if that's where their path leads them. So yeah, those, that's, those are the women that inspire me, but also uh, I hope to one day be an inspiration to other women. So thanks for letting me tap in. Jude, back to you. Hey, thanks, Kelsey. And enjoyed enjoyed your contribution here too. And hey, Nate, um, I got a, a, an email or, or an Instagram from, uh, <laughs> from our friend here, Swan, and she can't find the room. Um, and I just told her to go to the hallway breakfast with champions. Is there any other suggestion you can say she's 
No, you need to link. copy the link and send it to her on Instagram. So Can you do that for me? Can you do that? Because I don't know where that link well, is. Well, no, she might. She is. She probably, since you're in communication with her, you should. Ah. She's not going to see it if I send it to her. So okay. hit well, that. The second, the second Dude, button down. I just, I just messaged it to you. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. All right. So look at that little, uh, the little airplane thing in the bottom right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. All right, great. I think we sent that to her yesterday. However, I think my assistant well, the did. Link, the, the, um, the room probably wasn't created yesterday. So, yes. Yeah, oh, so maybe not. Yep. Um, Kelsey, you, you just said I'm the messenger, but I didn't yeah. see it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It's, okay. So if you go into your messages, make sure that you're in. Um, On the back channel messages, right? Yeah, in the chats. So look at the bottom. Just make sure you're not tapped on requests. It's the bottom. It's the left toggle. That okay. Says listen, chat. listen, Nate. Can you do that? Because I'm gonna just email her and tell her that. I mean, Instagram her and tell her you're gonna send it to her. Because I'm not getting it from Kelsey. It might be in request. The message from Kelsey. Okay. Um. I'm not sure here, but she's here waiting to get in. So she can't just join the room and listen and we bring her up. No. Okay. All right. She well, can, let me see what we can she, do. Uh, if she can just find one the room. Sec. Just, just one second. Let's keep trying here for a second. Nate, why don't you take over for a minute? I'm going to look to see where that link is at my assistant. So sent. let her know. I just sent it to her on Instagram, but you have to let her know because it'll probably get lost in her. Okay. Uh, All right. Um, All right. I'm going to do it right now. Okay. It's uh, from Mastermind, from Mastermind with Nate. Okay. So who else would like to uh, share a quick story uh, about a, you know, women okay. that have had an influence on you? This is okay, Kim. Thank, I can thank share. You. I Go can ahead, share. Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Um, yeah. So my story, um, you know, from the beginning of time, I never knew a mother, so I didn't have that influence at the beginning. But as I began to evolve, like in my own life and had my own family and started searching, um, for healing and personal empowerment, I came across Louise Hay as one of the first inspirations for me. And, you know, kind of from there, I went into Marianne Williamson, a return with a return to love. And that poem really shook me up about how I was dimming my light not to be uncomfortable or for others not to be uncomfortable. Moving into Brene Brown. And right now it is Elena Cordon. I have to say she from 10X Ladies. Um, I joined her mastermind. I'm now, um, you know, one of her licensees. And I am so inspired by her integrity that she stands for with her and what her and Grant are doing together, being that example for family and just solitude. It feels so good with clean boundaries. And so that's it. This is Kim. I'm done. I just wanted to say that that's my, my newest um, crush, I would say, is Elena Cordon. Thanks. Yeah, so Elena Cardone and, you know, definitely doing big things in the real estate space, in the marketing space, social media space. And I uh, would love to hear, you know, um, some more stories about anybody, that, any women that have had an influence on you guys. We're just waiting to, uh, for Swan Sit to join us as Jude is going to have a conversation with Swan, who has over three and a half million followers She's on Clubhouse. She's here. Let's go. Let's go, Jude. I'm going to let you take over. Yes, Thanks for yes, joining us, Swan. Yes. Siobhan, we're sorry you had a challenge with this room and, and we don't know why you didn't get the link yesterday, but there you are. I see my assistant has it here, so there you have it. Swan, first of all, I just want to say how terrific it is to meet you. Swan, 
Swan said was one of the first women I ever heard on Clubhouse. And you had huge rooms, which is not surprising that she has 3.6 million followers on Clubhouse. And Forbes magazine dubbed her the, the queen of Clubhouse, rightfully so. So Swan said, thank you so much for joining us today on International Women's Day. Thanks for having us, having you guys. I could not think of a better day to be joining you. So yeah, good morning, everyone. Well, Swan, you know, I mentioned these these large rooms, and and when I first came on, that you were your rooms were like nine hundred to a thousand people. Do you ever host these rooms anymore? I do occasionally. I mean, the rooms are smaller now, but that's a good thing, right? Because the ethos of Clubhouse is for everyone to have their own corner of the internet, their own little clubhouse. And I think in the beginning, when you know you jump on, you immediately go to big rooms because it's like, you know, you see a big crowd circling something. Of course, you're curious and you want to go up and see who they are. Um, I still get some decent sized rooms, but the reality is we have so many creators now. Everyone is on here for different reasons. You could be up here to build a platform or to broadcast, but you could also be here to hang out with your friends, which is how I started. So there's actually, you know, hundreds of thousands of rooms a day, which actually has made most of the rooms smaller. And I actually really like that. Well, as I said, you were one of the first first people I started to follow on the club, and, and I always get such good insights from you. And for anyone who hasn't heard Swan, and you're just getting introduced to her for the first time, she has a magnificent career from, from corporate, where she worked with companies and branding, digital marketing, including Nike, Revlon, Estee Lauder. And, and I think in our, in our exchanges, uh, Swan, when we were getting ready for this interview, that you said you became an accidental creator. Did I get that right? I know you're a content creator. Was that an ex was the word accidental in there or was that Absolutely. intentional? The accidental <laughs> was intentionally put there. Um, so I left corporate a few years ago and I was sitting on boards doing some advising and really enjoying the sweet life, right? You put in your years of corporate and you get to take a little break. Um, then COVID hit. And remember the beginning of COVID, we had no idea what was happening. We were life selling our groceries and all quarantined inside. And I'm a very social extrovert creature. I get my energy from others. So to be locked inside was pretty lonely. And my childhood best friend, Parlson, who's a VC, is like, hey, I heard of this little thing called Clubhouse. Why don't you check it out? You might be able to, you know, spend some time on there. And that was of May of 2020. I jumped on and, you know, now you see the hallways and there's endless rooms. There's rooms you see and then there's, you know, multitudes of the ones you don't. Back then, if you opened the app during the day, it would be empty. There wouldn't be a single soul on. So you'd go on at night and there'd be maybe 30 people and you'd hang out. There's maybe two or three rooms. Way in the beginning, there wasn't even a difference of stages and listeners. It was just big rooms and there was no room titles. There's no programming. It was just hanging out. And what I realized is I've always enjoyed mentoring. So this is a great place for me to share the knowledge that I'd built over a few decades in the corporate world. But it was also a way to make friends. And sometimes you can teach knowledge, but sometimes you can just be an ear to someone or be an onboard friend so somebody's learning a new platform. And because I genuinely like to help people, the followers came. I never constructed it as a platform or a potential career. I mean, my social media was private up until then because I worked for really big corporations. Um, but it naturally grew, and that's why I call it an accidental creator, because I started in May of 2020. I was lucky to be early. I logged a lot of hours like you guys are doing now. By December, seven months later, I hit 100,000. And by May, so a full year after I started, it hit three and a half million. 
And that's when it just really sank into me that it's such a privilege, but it's a responsibility. You have created an audience. The audience is your product. You are the product. So you have to be the steward and the shepherd of that. So it's something I've really enjoyed doing. Now I have the luxury of creating content in multiple platforms, on stages in real life, um, on TV, on different social platforms. I'm managed by Vayner Talent and Vayner Speakers. Um, and to be able to create content for a living is the biggest gift because you know immediately whether your product's good or not, your fans will tell you. Um, and if you get to help people in the process, I mean, my goal is to democratize information, access, and opportunity. So if I'm able to do that as my North Star and have fun with great people, I mean, what an incredible gift to do that for a living. You know, you mentioned something indeed, and you mentioned something, you said you are the product. Would you elaborate on that just for a moment, Swan? Because a lot of people, men and women, uh, don't think of themselves as the product. So could you elaborate on that, please? Dude, I love that you picked up on it, and that's why you're such a good interviewer. Yeah, if you were a creator- Thank you you're the product. Now there's behind the scenes creators. And I would argue in some ways, that's probably what I did when I worked at Nike and Revlon, Elizabeth Arden and Estee Lauder. So you guys remember, um, like a girl, that campaign that Nike did for women's sports or even dream crazy with Colin Kaepernick. I had the privilege of working for companies who are enacting social change and commentary with some of their content. So in some ways I was sort of being a creator just on behalf of someone else. And Nike would have been the product or the shoe, you know, would have been the product. But when you're a creator, like you could be a topical creator and always be focused on a certain subject. You could argue maybe that's the product, but I would still argue that creator who's the vessel for that content is the product. People are tuning in to hear Jude interest, interview interesting people, to hear me run an AMA every week for six months straight, answering everything from you know, racism and sexism in the corporate workplace to freezing my eggs and the trade-off between my career and having a family. When you are creating content about yourself or those around you, you are the product. So it takes an incredible amount of um, faith in your self-worth, which is never easy because I think every creator I've ever met pretty much has imposter syndrome, which means that you also need a tribe around you to support you because if people didn't like the show I did that day, it wasn't like they didn't like the sneaker collection that month. It was, wow, we didn't like what you said. And so you have to work really hard to protect against taking that too personally while being open-minded enough to receive feedback on the gift you're trying to put out into the world. But there's no barrier. If you're truly creating content about yourself, if you're not authentic, people are so smart, they're gonna see right through it. Plus it gets exhausting, right? If you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember who you told what to, you are always yourself. So if not for just doing the right thing of being authentic about who you are, get yourself out of the loop of trying to be someone you're not because you'll forget who you were to each person at some point and it'll all come crashing down. You know, I love that, Swan. I just absolutely love that. And I don't know if you were able to hear or not, because I know you were you were coming on at 1030, but um, my Nate interviewed me about my interviews with Lucille Ball, meeting her. She's the first woman I met in Hollywood wow. as a teenager. So cool. I'm going to go back and listen yeah. to the replay. I had a conflict, but I could not. I was like, oh, I need to hear uh, these uh, stories. Oh, yeah. She she was so amazing. And, and I, I met her as a teenager first, and I won't, I won't take the audience through that again, but I met her as a teenager first, and then flash forward, I would end up interviewing her on the news. I'd started my TV, TV career as hers was, was going, she was stopping working almost. She, I interviewed her last film for CBS. And, and this woman, you talk about being your product. She had so much belief in herself 
that she was able to persevere, stand up for herself, and at the time, in almost all male-dominated field, and was true to herself. And that takes courage, ladies. It takes a lot of courage. And I hear you saying that today because, you know, none of us would like to be criticized. And, and, and Swan, I think my minister said it best. If you don't want to be criticized, don't bother getting out of bed in the morning uh, because there'll always be people that, you know, you'll always say, uh, yeah, I could have done a better job, which I think that's part of evolving, by the way, is always wanting to improve and evolve. But when I heard you say that, you know, that, you know, you have a bad show, it's, it, it, it is, it's, it's you, you're the one out there, you know, you're the one on the front of the camera, you're the one on stage. I, you said that when you do this weekly, I don't know where that is or what that is, but can we tune in to hear you or see you? I used to do it weekly. Um, it was from December to June of last year, and I still do rooms like maybe every other week. Um, I know good best practices of content creation, you have to do it on a regular basis, but I've got my hands in so many things. Um, I just, you know, there's not enough time. Like once the real world opened up, you now have to balance the priorities. And I do Clubhouse, I do Twitter spaces, I speak in real life about two, three times a month. So I'm just having trouble balancing that schedule. Um, but I do do multiple communities. I tend to also do evenings. Um, I like that this room's during the day. It actually feels a little bit more spirited, but generally because my days are back to back with meetings, which I don't recommend, but it's a necessary evil sometimes if you're trying to build. Um, evenings become my hangout time. So that's when I'm usually on Clubhouse is doing like eight, nine, 10 o'clock kind of uh, rooms. But um, I'll try to, you know, be more aware and ping you guys. Um, a lot of the rooms now are about Web3 and NFTs because the great thing about a creator is you get to create content about whatever you're curious on. And some are very topical. Like I said, how I built this was stories about people building. But because I didn't intend to do this and I don't have to follow anyone's rules. I just talk about whatever I want. And right now I'm just obsessed with the future of Web3 and NFTs. So that's what a lot of the rooms are, either hosting projects that are doing really cool work or thought leaders that are changing how we think about the uh, next evolution of technology and how we live or just even educators. And I think that's the biggest part of it, right? I mean, I think when innovation happens, the people at the margins get left behind. So I and a lot of my collaborators spend a lot of time educating. So sometimes the rooms are just casual conversations. Um, when I was hosting a project, somebody mistakenly bought one that they thought was the project, but the project hadn't even gone live yet. So it was such a good teaching moment to tell people about security and research. And we made it a safe place to make mistakes. And it started off as a project room, but became an education room. So keep your eye out. I still do them every few weeks. We'll be watching for you. And now that takes me to now, and I may be confused on this because as you know, we were going back and forth with our voice, with our voicemails on, on Instagram last night, but did you, you've started a fund, I think for women, like a wealth fund, or maybe I'm confused on that or an NFT fund. Can, can you talk about that? Or did I just get confused on it? No, Jude, you were great. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about what it is, but it is actually focused on women and Web3, women and non-binary people. It's called BFF, and the website is myBFF.xyz. Um, it was started actually by Britt Morin and Jamie Schmidt, two women that I met on Clubhouse. So actually, if you think about the past two years almost that I've spent on here, some of my closest friends have been from Clubhouse, and one of my best friends that I literally speak with every other day I didn't meet in person until two weeks ago because she was in Australia and they have such strict quarantine rules. After a year and a half of friendship, we finally got to meet in person uh, two weeks ago. So Clubhouse has been this not only amazing source of opportunity but for me, but relationships and friendships. And Britt and Jamie, our two fearless leaders, are ones I met on Clubhouse. So they started this decentralized organization called BFF. 
and I'm one of the founding members. There's almost a hundred of us from all walks of life, including people like Tyra Banks, Mila Kunis, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kat Cole, who I also met off of Clubhouse. Um, the list is endless, but the idea is to educate and create access and opportunity for women and non-binary people in Web3. Because if we step back, you might hear about something like a restaurant or a vacation spot from an ad or a review, but when are you most likely to go? It's when someone you know and trust recommends that you go. And that's actually really similar for new technology, especially ones that are scary for, for adoption. The problem is if you only learn from people who look, sound, and talk like you, the people who are at the center of the movement then bring their friends in and then their friends of friends and so on. And it takes a long time, if ever, before getting to the people at the margins. So we're trying to change that. So here's a group of almost 100 women dedicated to using their resources, their network, their brains, their sweat to get more people involved in Web3 because we can say wag me, which is we're all going to make it a little catchphrase in this industry. But until you actually do the work, you can't say that. And so it's a decentralized organization. People can sign up. Um, it's a variety of things. There's free education, there's NFT drops, there's access to different programming, but it is not quite a nonprofit because Web3 actually, when you distribute ownership and give everyone a share, doesn't need to actually have a distinction between nonprofit and for-profit. We think you can do good and do well. So the idea is that a DAO, an organization that's decentralized and autonomous will eventually form for from it and our shareholders will be our entire community all participating so thanks for asking about it it's something we're really proud of so i'm saying you yeah, sure and then also could you say how we do it not not how but where we where people would go women would go to to be a part of this yeah, absolutely would you say it again it's what what's the site my bff dot xyz m y b f f dot xyz so BFF, we thought that'd be XYZ. kind of fun. And um, <laughs> it's, you know, the first NFT that was dropped was a friendship bracelet. And what was really cool, and here's like, just so you can even tell sometimes when women run projects, the basis and the foundation start differently. We each got a bracelet, but we got a second one because friendship bracelets come in pairs. And we were encouraged to give the second one to somebody, another person, preferably a woman, but just a person who is doing good things in Web3. That bracelet's worth 0.8 ETH. It's like a few thousand dollars. And so we're gifting them to people who are doing great work in this space. So from day one, it already has an ethos of giving and inclusivity. Wow, that's great. And you mentioned, um, this is fabulous, and thanks for repeating the site for us. Um, you know, Kat Cole, I, I know that you and Kat are, are friends on, on Clubhouse, because that's I, I had met Kat, uh, Kat a few years ago at a speaking event and, and absolutely adore her and invited her to be with us today. She's on a, a company offsite, uh, so she couldn't be. I got a, I've been working with her and her PR firm, but they just couldn't work it out. But I know she would like to have been here if she could. Uh, so, you know, we've asked you a lot of uh, business questions, and I know you sit on boards as well, public boards. I, I want to ask you a bit about, about you. You as, as, as the woman, who, who has been, been your influencers, the women who influenced you? You know, it's funny because you mentioned Kat and she absolutely would have been on if she could have. Um, but, you know, she's not only a creator as well, but she's now like president and COO full time job of a company. So I don't know how she does it. Um, I have these women. Yes, in my and she's life. got children too. She's got yeah, two kids. Two kids she's, and a husband who's and like a husband, endurance athlete who's like rowing across the world. I kid you not. So she's like, oh, yeah, I'm in the Caribbean camping out with my kids, waiting for Daly to row his boat onto shore. Like, where does she, she find the time, the energy, and 
the generosity of spirit, right? I mean, you know, I think she's a good example. I have a, like, there's definitely women I admire from far away, but I think more importantly, it's the women that are what I call my friend tours. They're friends and mentors. Because sometimes I think we can put our heroes on a pedestal and that's great, but then we feel like we can't achieve it. But when your homie is next to you and you're seeing them go through the same battle scars that you're going through, maybe at different times and you can support each other, that those are the women that impact my life. So like if you use Kat, or I think I saw Drew walk in, um, I don't know if she's still here. Um, Drew's, you know, another friend of mine also came up on Clubhouse. Let me see, Sarah. I'll look for her, let me see. Yeah, I think she popped in and out, but um, you know, okay. she's an artist as well. These women in my tribe are my friend tours because we're friends, but they inspire me every day. And the biggest piece of it is I see them going through the challenges. They're open and honest about the fact that it's not easy, but we are each other's biggest champions. In Web well, 2, this, no. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's fabulous, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's the difference, right? You can be each other's friends, but you need to be each other's champions. Like Amanda Johnstone is the woman I was referring to that, um, I met for the first time in, in Saudi. That's where we finally got to meet um, after two years of friendship. And, you know, she was the founder of the Talk Nerdy Club to me, Talk Nerdy to me, sorry, Talk Nerdy to me club on Clubhouse and one of the earliest and biggest clubs. Um, when I say these women are my champion, let me give you examples, right? In Web 2, there's sometimes only one seat at the table. So you can't fault someone for being self-interested and getting their spot. But there's a special place in hell for women that are bad to other women. There's a balance between getting your spot and then opening the door for women, more women to come or closing it behind you. And honestly, I see that way too often in Web2. And I see it actually from women more than I even see from men. The difference with these women is when I'm getting speaking gigs and Amanda comes on stage, she's like, did you guys know that Swan is the most in-demand female speaker for NFTs in the entire world? while she's trying to get speaking gigs. When Kat, you know, she's in the audio collective and I'm not, and I'm trying to figure out, am I a creator, am I not, am I an outsider in this group? She's like, here's the playbook and here's how you do it. These are the women who do things differently. And so those are the ones that I'm lucky to have in my life. In some ways they're more valuable to me, valuable to me from, you know, a human spirit perspective than a mentor from far away or an idol I put on a pedestal because when things get hard, those are the ones in your corner. And I, I would never have survived the last two years without any of them because on some, in some instances, um, you know, it's been the best two years of my life for two years that a lot of people struggled and were, you know, struggling with their jobs and finding an income where they wanted to live and their place in this world. I had the best two years of my life, but they were always also the hardest two years and I couldn't have done it without those women in my corner. Swan, I absolutely love that. And, and, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot here, so I'll do this later, but I'm writing a new book for women. It'll be my third book. And, and it's the people that, that we talked about this morning, Lucille Ball, Gloria Steinem, Julia Childs, uh, so many of these women who went before us and opened up the doors culturally with society made such a difference for other women. And, and I do hope I get to interview you for that book. I, I know I'm asking you publicly, so I don't expect an answer. <laughs> but I, Dude, but I'd I'm be just... delighted. I'd be delighted I'm even in the same sentence or like adjacent sentences as people like Lucille Ball and the people that you've interviewed and you yourself, right? Because you know this better than I do. Interviewing is a skill, right? How do you have enough personality that you engage the person that you're speaking with and get them to tell their stories and share 
but not overtake that stage. And I think that's a mistake a lot of moderators make, right? Like they are supposed to be the vessel for other people's stories, but it's a balance between sharing enough of yourself to engage that audience and to engage the speaker, but to not overwhelm it. So I think you're you're a lady boss. I'd be delighted. The fact that you're writing your third book, I've been asked, would you write a book? Would you write a book? It's the scariest thing on this world to me. I said, maybe in like 20 years. And you're writing your third. So kudos yeah. and congrats on that. Well, listen, my first one was how to be interviewed in the media. So that was just my knowledge. And the second one is when I wrote for a client, I produced his life story documentary. And then he asked me to write his book. And I've learned one thing. I won't write someone else's book for them ever again. But we did it nonetheless. So now I'm doing mine. But I would be honored, absolutely. And I want to. I know that we, we, only ha we have you for a short amount of time. But I do want to mention a couple things to you and ask you something. First of all, I absolutely adore your voice. And I say that to you because we're on an audio app here. But your voice reflects how you look. And in it, and it also, your voice has a smile in it, Swan. I mean, listening to you, it's kind of infectious. You just want to listen to you. And and I, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not. Maybe you are because you do a lot of speaking. But I, I just feel that it, it's just easy to listen to you. And it definitely reflects who you are and what you're about. Oh, Jude, that's the nicest compliment. Here's the dirty secret. So Web3 doesn't sleep. I work a lot. I work 27 it's like 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I slept for 15 minutes before I got on this. I pulled an all-nighter. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm going to sound like a frog. Here's the imposter syndrome wearing up, right? Um, so I do kind of sound like a frog and I'm chugging coffee. So that is the nicest compliment at, at a time where my energy is at an absolute zero. Funny. We right? wouldn't know. That's so sweet of you. You know, what? here's what I think. There's definitely voices that are made for radio. They are just like soothing they make you know your your skin kind of get goosebumps or your heart feel all warm and then there's just regular voices there's definitely some voices that are not made for radio we'll put that to the side i think there's some that are incredible but most of us are in the middle and here's my theory on this it's not actually the voice it's the emotion and the intimacy that comes from a voice that makes us like it right because i don't think i've been given with a good, good voice i actually really don't like my voice but because I'd spent all these years in the corporate world singing the corporate anthems and stuff, and now I get to be myself, there's a joy that comes out, even if I'm tired and rambling and you know all over the place like I am a bit today and speaking a mile a minute, there's an intimacy and an authenticity and joy that comes out of the fact that I get to do this as part of my living, right? Not for this room specifically. I was happy to come celebrate International Women's Day with you, but it's part of the overall movement that I'm doing, right? Because of rooms like this, I get to do this for a living. I am grateful every day that I get to do this. And if that comes out in my voice, then so be it. But I don't think it's the voice itself. It's the intimacy I'm willing to be vulnerable about that I think brings people in. So we can debate that another day. You can prove me wrong. I think there's certain voices that were made for this, but I think it's more what I say than how I sound. Well, I, I totally agree with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's about emotional connection. That's for sure. But with your voice, and we listen to a lot of voices, and we help women a lot with their voices because it's a, a lot of women, most women, by the way, and, and men too, always say they hate the sound of their voice. But women, especially uh, when we're coaching these executives, always, they don't like the sound of your voice. But I totally agree to the, to the emotional that we feel connected to you. But it's also the emotional connectivity that you have to your message as well, I think, that comes through. And that leads me to something else, and that is your humility. 
And you said in our exchanges last night, and I know that you were up because when I got up this morning, I had a message from you <laughs> after midnight my time. So I don't know what time it was your time. Uh, I saw that this morning. So I said, she's, she's up late, this one is. But you, you, you have a humility about Islam that I find that's just very appealing. And you said in, in the voice message uh, yesterday, you said, if I can be an influencer in my 40s, anyone can be. Do you want to address that? I mean, how crazy is that? Let's just say that again. Not that I want to remind everyone of my age, but I spent two <laughs> decades in the corporate world. And then I was like, I'm going to sit on boards and advise and figure out the rest of my life. And now I'm a creator. I think most people go the opposite way, right? You're an influencer, you're making amazing TikToks, etc. And maybe a corporation hires you or partners with you to create your own makeup brand. So most people go creator to corporate. I went from corporate to creator. And like I said, I'm so grateful in a span of a couple years where a lot of people had really tough time that I found my way. And this, if you ask me 50 things I would wanna do with my life, this was not on the list. Not because I didn't want to, I didn't think I was capable, right? But life sometimes serves you up opportunities and sees what you're willing to say yes to. Um, and I think the one thing I realized when I left corporate is for the first time I didn't have guardrails of how I was supposed to work or act or sound. So I decided to start saying yes. And I remember the first time I was on Clubhouse, remember um, it was just like three small rooms, et cetera, like you kind of pop in. And back then there was definitely inner circles and I was silent. The first few days I was on, I didn't say a thing. And this girl Shweta, who's not on Clubhouse much anymore, but she was kind of like the young person who was, you know, always moderating rooms, et cetera. And she had, and she left an indelible impression on me she set a lot of the tone for onboarding and i remember like it was like three days i was on these rooms were small so you saw everyone in there and i hadn't said a word and one day she's just like you know swan you've been in the rooms for a few days and you haven't said anything i'd like to say hello and get to know you tell us about yourself so i freaked out by the way guys i've spoken in front of eighty thousand people in a stadium before but in a clubhouse room with 15 people i got nervous but it's because of the environment you're in and the people around you and wanting to show up for them. So, you know, the journey from being nervous to even speak the first time to now being able to do it, whether it's on social audio or still on stages and stuff, it's, it's been an incredible journey that I don't know if I would have predicted and don't know if I could have achieved without a support network around me. So, um, I don't think you have it have to have it all figured out if you know we always ask kids what they want to be when they grow up when they're like five years old how is that even possible i'm in my 40s and i don't know what i want to be when i grow up but you know i figure if i'm early 40s maybe i've got another half life to go and part of the fun is exploring and building as i go so um you never know until you try the other part of my brand is i'm hopefully inspiring but i'm a realist you might try and you might fail and that's okay I'm not going to say that if you go do it, you're going to crush it because the reality is that's just not how life works. And some of us have made really silly choices of what we thought we wanted to do, right? I'm not going to go be a trapeze artist in the circus tomorrow because I know I'm not even, like, I'm scared of heights. It's just not going to work. Um, but, you know, you never regret trying. And the one thing I'll say is build contingency plans. Follow your dreams, maybe swing on that trapeze. But if that doesn't work out, what's your contingency plan against that? Can you move back to the town that you left? Can you go back to a job, if not the same one you had, but a similar one before? And I think if you actually plan it out, the answer is usually yes. So if you realize that when you take a risk and it doesn't work out, you can still go back, maybe not to the identical thing, but a similar, similar thing. Taking risks is about removal of fear and doubt.
And so if you can plan your way into a plan B or a plan C, I think the risks get a lot less scary. You know, I love this. I absolutely love it. I don't think that there's anyone who's ever accomplished anything significant that didn't wonder, what if I fail? And that's men and women, by the way, across the board. Women will talk about it more readily. But men, none of us always know what we're doing, and yet we do it. And I said that when I first went on TV Live in the number two mark in the country. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it. And, and I think that's your big message here, Swan, of, of everything that you've said today, which has been so instrumental in, in creating an impact and certainly a guide for each of us of inspiration. But I will say that, that just not knowing what you were doing, but not being afraid to try. And I think that's the key from all of these successful women that I've interviewed from, from Lucille Ball to Oprah to everyone, Gloria Steinem. And, and you are so significant of that swan. And, and this is International Women's Day. And by the way, you use the word evolving. And I, I love that word. We, we opened um, AWE, which is the, on a club today, my, in my room, my club, Amazing Women Evolving. And it'll be a Facebook group. And we're, we're really going to make a contribution to women in, in addition across the board. You are awesome. You are amazing. And I can't tell you how thankful we are and appreciative to listen to you today and to get to know these aspects of you. Some of the things that we, we, we haven't, I haven't heard you say on Clubhouse before. And you've given us so much information, so much to think about, and so inspiring. And I want to be respectful of your time. And there's another show coming up here, the social media show with Nate and Alexander. Do you have a, a parting concept or thought or something you would like to give to the women listening about your life lessons and the contributions you're making to women? We're stronger together. I talked a little bit about how in the corporate world or certain organizations, we tend to hold things close to the vest because we're afraid we might lose something. But if all the women in the world banded together, as individuals fighting injustice, we're nearly unstoppable. Can you imagine if we all banded together and held hands? We would literally take over this world. And I think the way the constructs have been designed, whether it's marginalized people, people of color, etc., it doesn't matter if it's based on gender or color of your skin or socioeconomic class, some of these systems were designed to, to keep others out, right? If there's a hierarchy, those in power protect their place of power. But look around you. For every day that women are struggling, there's someone next to you or 10 people next to you probably going through the same thing. And part of it is letting go of the fact that we have to pretend that everything's okay. Yeah, I'm having a hard week. Or this challenge is really insurmountable. It makes me feel like crap. The first step is acknowledging that. The second one is building your allies. So if we can let go of the mentality that there's only one seat at the table, and by the way, there have been situations where it actually is only one seat at the table. And not necessarily through act of goodness, but by at least expanding the aperture, I've lost that seat it's come back tenfold later. So I think we need to think long game. I think we need to think about you know safety and strength and numbers. And if we just look around at the women who have all been battling the same things we have, you know, people ask me about the NFT space, which is male dominated, 81% of crypto is men. There's less than 5% of NFT projects run by women. So I've had actually some really woke men ask me, well, what can we do to help? And I say, you know what, don't feel sorry for us. 
because we can weather it. We can take it. We're still here and we're not going anywhere. Don't feel sorry for us, but make space for us. And for the women out there, realize that you don't have to go it alone. And I fall into this trap too, right? Who can I trust? Who's going to, you know, end up stealing my spotlight? Well, if they do, think about that as a really valuable lesson to learn. But for all the ones who don't, who become your champion and you become theirs, that strength in those numbers, it's unstoppable and we can actually build the type of world we want to be in. I love that. I love that, Swan. And and I, being respectful of your time, I just want to say I, I love this interview. Now I can add uh, Swan set to my, to my beautiful roster of all these accomplished and extraordinarily successful women. And so thank you so much. I know that we all benefited, all of us, men and women, from you being with us right here in Breakfast with Champions on International Women's Day. I look forward to staying in touch, Sean, and and supporting any way that I can. And also that interview for my book. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Jude, it's been an honor to be interviewed by you. You've had this incredible resume. I'm happy to sit at the bottom of it. But thank you all for having me, for lending me your ear, and for celebrating Women's Day together. Swan, we'll catch you on Clubhouse, and you you gave us your website. If you want to give us one more time, why don't you? Hey, why don't you do that one more time, just in case anybody who tuned in just recently? Oh yeah, it's my for BF- your your B- Yeah, it's my BFF.xyz. Um, that's the organization I'm a part of. Jamie and Britt were the amazing co-founders. I'm one of the founding members who's helping grow it to adoption. Um, but check it out, and it's free to sign up. We already had an amazing like blockchain web three NFT crypto 101 course that 25,000 people signed up for. And it was free education with some of the leading women in the space. We are serious about making everyone some money in this new world. Because at the end of the day, yes, it's nice to play with JPEGs, but we want to we want to create economic opportunity. So check it out. We will. We will, Swan, and we'll check you out on Clubhouse as well. And thank you. You have made my day on International Women's Day. So thank you so much on behalf of all of us from Breakfast with Champions. And we're going to... Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.